the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider, with a summary of the top news stories in the Vatican this week, as well as a new guest in the interview segment. This week I feature an off-the-cuff interview with Father John Paul Kimes, canon law professor at the University of Notre Dame and member of the Historical Commission for the Cause of Canonization of Servant of God, Joseph Dutton. Now, Dutton was companion, caregiver, and friend for 44 years, alongside Saints Damien and Marianne Cope, to the victims of leprosy on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. Father Kimes and I spoke after a recent event in Honolulu for this cause of canonization. This happened during a week in Hawaii in which I was also sworn in as a member of the Historical Commission. Father Kimes, a riveting storyteller, tells of the link between Notre Dame University and Joseph Dutton and explains what he has learned of Dutton by researching the archives on this servant of God. You'll love every minute of our conversation. And now, the top news stories of the week at the Vatican. Pope Francis had a really busy week with many private individual audiences, as well as audiences with various groups who had requested time with the pontiff. Sunday, November 13. As the Church marked the sixth World Day of the Poor, Pope Francis presided over Mass in St. Peter's Basilica. In his homily, he tied the day's gospel in with the celebration of this World Day. On this World Day of the Poor, he said, Jesus' word is a forceful admonition to break through that inner deafness which we all have and which prevents us from hearing the stifled cry of pain of the frailest. The Pope noted that wars in our own times, such as that in Ukraine, have caused so many people to flee their homes, and it's the poor who pay the heaviest price in any crisis. If our heart is deadened and indifferent, we cannot hear their faint cry of pain. We cannot cry with them and for them. We cannot see how much loneliness and anguish also lie hidden in the forgotten corners of our cities. Later at the Angelus, as delegates continued deliberations at the 2022 UN Climate Change Conference in Egypt, Pope Francis said he hopes the COP27 conference will produce lasting fruits on behalf of combating climate change. I hope that steps forward are taken with courage and determination in the footsteps of the Paris Accords. The Pope also recalled the Laudato Si Action Platform that was set up to consolidate efforts to implement his 2015 encyclical on the care of our common home. After reciting the Angelus Prayer, the Holy Father joined about 1,300 homeless, migrants, and poor for lunch in the Paul VI Hall, as has become traditional on the World Day of the Poor. Monday, November 14th. Exactly 500 years ago, St. Ignatius of Loyola arrived in Barcelona, a city that played an important role in his formation. To mark the occasion, Pope Francis sent a letter to Cardinal Archbishop Juan José Omela Omela of Barcelona, in which he examined the conversion and famed spiritual exercises of this saint who founded the Jesuit order. Five hundred years ago today, wrote Francis, our protagonist, having served the king and his conviction to the point of shedding his blood, was wounded in body and spirit, 
and had himself stripped of everything and was determined to follow Christ in poverty and humility. The Pope added, This is a great lesson for us, one which should inspire us to take the difficulties of our time as an opportunity to reverse the course we have followed so far and invest in what really matters, whatever the field is in which we operate. Also Monday, meeting with the Apoteca Natura Network of Italian Pharmacies, Pope Francis spoke about the need to rediscover a new harmony between us human beings and creation. He told the pharmacists their efforts to promote holistic care with natural products reminded him of the indigenous peoples of the Amazon Basin in South America, who have a healthy attitude of living well with creation and the environment. Francis said the pharmacist's work offers a positive sign of the times, since they base it on an integral ecological intuition that can help create harmony between people and nature. Also Monday, meeting some 150 members of the Federation of Christian Organizations for International Voluntary Service on the occasion of its 50th anniversary, Pope Francis praised the Italian charity for its valuable contribution to development and peace in a world that has grown accustomed to war and hunger. FOXIF, in fact, gathers 94 organizations committed to fighting poverty and promoting human dignity through development projects in over 80 countries. It was founded in Italy in 1972. Tuesday, November 15th. In a telegram signed by Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Parolin and addressed to the Apostolic Nuncio in Turkey, the Pope expressed his deep sadness upon learning of the deaths and injuries caused by the explosion of a bomb in Istanbul on Sunday. Sending condolences to the families and friends of those who died, he assured all of his spiritual closeness and prayed that no act of violence will discourage the efforts of the people of Turkey to build a society based on the values of fraternity, justice, and peace. Wednesday, November 16th. At the general audience in St. Peter's Square, the Holy Father told the pilgrims, In our continuing catechesis on discernment, we have seen the importance of interpreting the movements of our heart, including occasional experiences of desolation or interior unrest and dissatisfaction. Such moments are, in fact, he said, a challenge to our complacency and an incentive to growth in the spiritual life. The experience of desolation can open our eyes to see things in a new light, to appreciate the blessings we so often take for granted, and to find our peace in drawing closer to the Lord. In this way, we deepen our relationship with Jesus, which brings not only consolation, but also new challenges to mature in Christian discipleship. After the catechesis, Francis said he had learned with sorrow and concern the news of a new and even more severe missile strike on Ukraine, which has caused deaths and damage to so much civilian infrastructure. Let us pray the Lord will convert the hearts of those who still insist on war and make the desire for peace prevail for martyred Ukraine to avoid any escalation and open the way to a ceasefire and dialogue. Thursday, November 17th. The Holy Father received the bishops of the Federal Republic of Germany on their ad limina apostolorum visit. This is a visit that is mandatory for all bishops in the world and should take place generally every five years, though in recent years that strict timeline has not always been adhered to. Friday, November 18th. 
The only thing listed on Friday's papal schedule was a meeting again with all the bishops of Germany, together with the heads of all Roman Curia dicastery. Well, that's a quick look at the week's top news stories in the Vatican, but now stay tuned for my talk with Father John Paul Kimes of Notre Dame University on the life and times of Servant of God Joseph Dutton. And have a great and restful weekend. Welcome to the Q&A, which today is about the Feast of Christ the King. I've been asked by many, how long has this been in the church? Well, now I'll tell you. The Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, commonly referred to as the Feast of Christ the King, is a relatively recent addition to the Western liturgical calendar, having been instituted in 1925 by Pope Pius XI for the Roman Rite of the Catholic Church. Pius did so as an antidote to secularism, a way of life that leaves God out of man's thinking and living and organizes his life as if God did not exist. The feast is intended to proclaim in a striking and effective manner Christ's royalty over individuals, families, society, governments, and nations. Pius XI's encyclical, Quas Primus, was promulgated December 11, 1925. In his 1969 Motu Proprio Misteri Pascalis, Pope Paul VI moved the feast to the final Sunday of the liturgical year, before the commencement of a new liturgical year on the first Sunday of Advent. He assigned it to the highest rank of solemnity, thus liturgical vestments for the day are either white or gold, in keeping with other joyous feasts honoring Christ. The earliest date on which it can occur is November 20th, and the latest is November 26th. EWTN, Communicating the Faith. So this is the first time I just put you guys on, and I'm calling in, and it is such a blessing to speak to you. And I want to say to all of your listeners that I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you if you're out there and you are lonely, or you are sad, or you don't feel you have much to praise God about. I am praying for you that you will discover something and the Lord will really touch your heart today. From Rome to your home, EWTN's Vatican Bureau lets you watch all of the important events from Rome, even if you don't have a TV. Using the latest technology, we've made it possible to watch the latest news from the Holy See, all delivered directly to your home. It's easy. Watch live on EWTN YouTube and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, I just want to welcome my listeners to a very unusual edition of Vatican Insider. You're probably going to hear a little bit of background noise, and I'm not in a studio as I do the interview segment of Vatican Insider. I am at the Ala Moana Hotel. That's in Honolulu, folks. And I'm here for both a pleasure and a work meeting. I'm here with 499 other people to talk about, learn about Joseph Dutton. He worked for 44 years with St. Damien and St. Marianne Cope on Molokai, Kalopapa specifically, with the victims of leprosy. And one of the experts in that field is sitting right next to me. Hopefully we'll not get too many outside sounds. 
But that's Father John Paul Kimes. He's a canon lawyer. He's at the University of Notre Dame. And I'm going to let Father tell you more about himself and how he got to know Joseph Dutton. Oh, Joan is always your too kind. I don't think I'm much of an expert on Joseph Dutton. I'm just beginning to come to know him uh, like you are, like everyone here, for this uh, wonderful event, this uh, gala event uh, to kick off the cause of canonization for Joseph Dutton. Uh, me, I, I'm a canon lawyer. I teach in the law school at the University of Notre Dame, so I have a great pleasure of taking 11 years of experience um, if using canon law in the Vatican in service to the church, now being able to teach the students at the University of Notre Dame. Well, I guess if the full story be told, we first met in Rome. This is yeah, true. Right, you were at the North American College. You were eventually at the Casa Santa Maria uh, with a graduate degree doing further study and uh, worked at the Vatican, as we'll hear. But none of us will talk about how long ago Joan and I actually met. Three or four weeks, <laughs> what, right? what, yeah, what, right. A couple of days ago, uh, yeah. nothing more yeah. than that. Uh, but yeah, so I, I was... Uh, I had the opportunity, starting in 2009, to work at what was then called the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. We now know that Pope Francis has changed, reorganized the Curie a little bit, and everything's called a dicastery. So it's now the dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. But I worked in what's known as the discipline section. So we were a small group of canon lawyers that were charged with dealing with what the church considers to be the most serious crimes. And primarily, uh, we worked in the field of so the sexual abuse of minors. So sure. So all of that uh, fortunately has nothing to do with why we're here in Honolulu. Thank Enjoy. The Lord. Thank it's a the Lord. Occasion, it is right. a it is a beautiful occasion. Uh, we get to help in our work. Um, we're both members of the Historical Commission, which is uh, charged with searching archives uh, anywhere in the world that have to deal with the candidate for canonization, uh, in this case, Joseph Dutton. And Joan, you can probably speak to that work uh, more eloquently than I can. Well, the four of us who are on the Historical Commission, and by the way, folks, this is an official body in a cause for canonization and beatification and canonization. So our names will be on official records in the Vatican, in the Diocese of Honolulu, because in general, a cause for canonization starts in the Diocese of, of that person. And I think what unites us in our joy about Joseph Dutton is the fact that he is a layman. Because John Paul said years ago, you probably know this, your name for John Paul, he said years ago to the Congregation for Saints, please look for lay people. I know there are saintly lay people. There are saintly married uh, couples. A and John Paul said, you know, people think to be a saint, you either have to found a religious order or be a martyr. And of course, that's not true. So we're looking at this marvelous Joseph Dutton. But tell our, tell our listeners, how Notre Dame figures into this. Uh, so so Joseph, Dutton, Joseph Dutton's life is fascinating. So just to give you a little bit of historical context, especially for the listeners, um, Joseph Dutton serves in the U.S. Civil War. So just to give you an idea uh, of when he lives, so he serves in, in, through the entirety of the Civil War. So 1861 through 1864, he serves in a group out of Wisconsin. Uh, he becomes a quartermaster. And in the years after the war, uh, he <coughs> works for for different railroad companies. He goes back and works for the U.S. Army. He gets married. He gets divorced, which is not something that we normally associate with sainthood. Uh, but he gets married and then uh, divorced and 
Dutton himself talks about living this decade of debauchery, he calls it in his own letters, where he essentially starts drinking too much and living a life that he himself thought was inconsistent with the way that he had been brought up. Because he was born a Christian. I yeah, mean, he, he was. was he, so right. we, we, the best we know, he was raised in the uh, raised an Episcopalian, right? And so he was born with Christian values, and he, he was instilled very strong uh, relationship with his mother, who again also with right. his father, but primarily with his mother, mother and this understanding of the need for moral rectitude of some kind. Right. Uh, and so he, he saw in this life after the war, um, you know, that again, he gets married, he gets divorced, the marriage fails, he gets divorced, and he starts drinking very heavily. So he, he comes to a recognition that this isn't the life that he's called to lead. And he begins simultaneously this search for the true church. And in the Episcopalian church at the time, it was very popular the theory of branches, that Christianity shared a common trunk, if you will, but that there were right. different branches and that each of these branches were all equal because they were rooted in the same trunk. And Joseph, again, is is friendly with Episcopalian bishops in the South in the U.S. And, and meets priests, particularly in Memphis. But as he studies more about this theory of the branches, which is popular at the time, he becomes very unsatisfied with it. And he begins to seek the true church, the one church, he tells us in his, in his letters. And he finds that in the Catholic faith. And he finds it with the help of a Dominican priest living in Memphis, Tennessee at the time and in the Church of St. Peter's in Memphis, uh, at the age of 40, the ripe old age of 40, he converts to Catholicism and is brought into the Catholic Church at the age of 40. And this, for, for Joseph Dutton, is a radical, is sort of a, it, it marks a completely new point in his life. He leaves behind his decade of debauchery and all of his jobs working for the railroad and working for the army and then the quartermasters. He leaves all of that behind and he becomes focused on the need to do penance. penance. And it's all about penance for him. It's just, it's beautiful to read in his letters. And, and I keep referring to his letters and as, as Joe knows, he wrote hundreds and hundreds, probably if thousands, thousands yes. of letters to people from all over the U.S. with whom he maintained correspondence. And all over the world. All over the world. If yeah. he felt that the queen of whatever country could help him he would write and Father letter. Damien yep. and if you could send us money or goods or whatever, um, I beg you to please respond yeah. to my, my letter. And he, and he does that because he, he comes to a recognition that sin has this hold on his life that needs to be broken if he's going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Right. And for him, he understands that in his need to do penance. And he is a determined man constantly throughout his life he has this again going back to the values instilled to oh, him yeah. as, as, as a young as a young man and constantly in his writings he speaks about his almost obsession with thoroughness so that if he begins something he wants to do it as well as it can possibly be done so when he comes to the understanding that he needs to do penance as you know, he spends the next 44 years of his right, life, right. 46 years of his life, actually, doing penance. The first two years, he travels to Gethsemane in Kentucky and, and moves, moves yeah. into the Trappist monastery and lives the Trappist life, which, for those that are unfamiliar, the Trappist form of, mon of monasticism is one of the most severe, one of the most stark, oh, one sure. of the most rigid, uh, rigid in its simplicity, but up in the morning Demanding, at 4 a.m. Yeah. and you're, you're, it's just this constant demand of prayer and work and 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 
And Joseph found in this a, a, a richness, but he didn't think that's what he was called to do. And he has this great line in one of his letters. And he said, if I wasn't called to do penance in solitude, then I was called to do it with the multitude. Wow. It's this beautiful insight that he has. And again, his entire life from his bapti- from his reception of the Catholic Church at the age of 40 to his dying breath is just an ode to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just this For it's sure. it's just this this understanding that his life changes dramatically and it's the power of the Holy Spirit that leads him to conversion that leads him into this conviction that he should spend the rest of his life doing penance and so he first goes to a monastic life and he says okay this is where I'm going to do penance and then he does that for 2 years and says eh, not for me not really this isn't really what God is calling me to and he still thought he was called to a religious life, so he goes to the Redemptress. He runs into the Redemptress, and the Redemptress Provincial, and this is, again, where you see God's providence. You genuinely see God's providence. It's a, it's, it's a story you couldn't make up. It's so wild. You couldn't make up what's about to happen in Joseph Dutton's life. He meets the Redemptress Provincial, who says, you know what? I'm going to New Orleans for a conference. Why don't you come down to New Orleans with me? And you would think, well, who's not going to go to New Orleans? It's like us out here in Honolulu. Sure. Who doesn't want to do that? So he goes down to New Orleans with this Provincial of the Redemptress, and he's sitting in a waiting room, and he sees this Catholic magazine, and he starts flipping through this Catholic magazine, and in there, and you know this as a writer, as a journalist, I mean, they're all, in in any publication, they're all these little, almost throwaway pieces, it's not the main body of the magazine, it's just like a little side article, yeah, it's filled (laughs) with space, because we've got some extra pages, and he sees this uh, filler article that briefly mentions this priest named Damien on this island called Molokai, and Kaolapapa, way way out in the middle of the Pacific, in the middle of nowhere, genuinely the middle of nowhere, working with lepers you know there's no clue that he knew what leprosy was before this there's certainly no thought in his mind that he knew where Kaolapapa or even Hawaii was at the time he sees this article and knows immediately that's what God is calling him to do and so he starts trying to find out anything he can about Damien, about Kaulapapa, about leprosy, about any of it. He just needs to know more because he knows this is what God is calling him to. And it just so happens, this is where Notre Dame comes in, it just so happens there's a history professor at Notre Dame that has been out to Molokai, that has studied what Damien is doing, and he's the one who starts in the U.S. letting, you know, letting be known in Catholic circles what's going on out of Molokai. So Joseph Dutton gets on a steamer, he goes up the Mississippi River, gets off in, in Cairo, Illinois, or Cairo, as they say in Illinois, takes a train to South Bend and meets this history professor and tells him everything that, that he needs to know about Molokai, about Damien, about leprosy, about all of it. And he meets a priest as well. He meets a Holy Cross priest who, in talking with Joseph in a spiritual way, convinces him that even the trip there should be a pilgrimage. That if wow. it's genuinely about, about, right. about penance which is what Joseph is all about, then it needs to be a pilgrimage. So he gets on in the steerage class of a train. He goes out to San Francisco, gets on the worst possible vessel in the worst possible class he can. And the amazing thing is he doesn't tell anybody what he's doing at the time. Shows up in Honolulu, knocks on the door of the cathedral, and asks to see the bishop. The bishop sees him the next morning, and two days later, he's on Molokai, and he meets Father Damien, completely unannounced father damien recognizes immediately the the hand of god 
right. and he recognizes that Joseph is Because my understanding is that he tells um, Joseph that Joseph says he wants to, to volunteer mm-hmm. and be with him and help him. And Damien says, um, you know, if there's anything we need, we need probably 40 helpers, but we have absolutely no money. Ga- oh, no, 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 Father Damien. I haven't explained myself well. I'm here to do penance. I, I, what I've learned, I want to do with you. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And even before then, when he first gets permission, because again, this is a, it's a medical facility. I mean, we, we, we sure. you know, this, this, this is, it's under the, the protection of, of Hawaii. The kingdom. And it's the, king, of, yeah. the kingdom of Hawaii at the time. And so the, the, the minister of health has to give Joseph permission to go there. And the minister of health offers to pay him. He's like, look, you know, this is a, this is a government yeah, facility. Wow. We need people out there. And Joseph says, absolutely not. I do not want a salary. And the minister's like, oh, well, if you ever change your mind, Joseph's like, look, no, I'm here to do penance right. and to serve. I don't want a salary. Yeah. And he repeats this over and over in his letters that he didn't, he had, he writes beautifully. Uh, something that a lot of us can appreciate today. He says, look, I settled all of my debts. I worked hard to settle right. my debts, but I'm square, he says. Wow. I've, I've paid all of my debts and I don't want to take money because taking money will mean that I'm not doing penance. And this part of my life, I wow. have to do penance. It's fun. It's, a, it's a phenomenal story. Well, no, the letters are amazing. Oh, there is absolutely. a book out now, so much about him, where he talks, we forgot to mention, I mean, he was born and he was known as Ira, Ira Barnes, Ira Barnes Dutton. Dutton. And, and But he explains, you know, there was a certain point in his life when it wasn't Ira anymore, it was Joseph. That was the name he took yeah, when he became and, a Catholic. Exactly, and it, and it happens in the Church of St. Peter when he's brought into the Catholic Church. From there on out, he's Joseph. And even when he gets confirmed and they give him the confirmation name Maria, he never uses that. And then he becomes a third order Franciscan and they give him the name Francis and he doesn't use that either. He identifies himself entirely with the name that he took when he came into the Catholic Church. So the Joseph then became how he was known and Father Damien called him Brother Joseph. And he said, because you're like a brother to everyone. The thing to be stressed, we don't want any misunderstanding because... Joseph Dutton was not a religious brother. Right, he's not. A, he's not a religious. He he may have taken some kind of private vows. We're not really sure. Um, again, sources are kind of uh, hit or miss on this. But we know he never enters a religious community. He doesn't. You know, he, I mean, he, he explores the Trappist. He explores sure. other things, but he doesn't take religious vows. No. Which again, he becomes this for today's society. He's this incredible model of. The holiness of the laity, as you were mentioning earlier, I mean, this is the kind of holiness and sanctity and penance that he understands, you know, that his life is called to through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, the, he's the perfect model right. for, for today. Exactly. What a riveting storyteller Father John Paul Kimes is. Our full conversation was 30 minutes, but Vatican Insider's only 25 minutes long including the news segment. So I have to say, that's all the time we have this week. But come back next weekend to hear more from Father about the life and times and writings of Servant of God, Joseph Dutton. For more information on these stories, or to check out Joan's blog, and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.